episode 10 of DevTalk, I speak to Laurent Bunion about what it means to be a senior cloud developer advocate at Microsoft. Welcome to another episode of DevTalk. My name is Kerry Lothrop, and uh, I'm trying something new today. Um, you might have noticed this is episode number 10, and you might not have heard about this podcast at all so far. The reason being that um, this podcast was completely in German. Um, for those who don't know, I'm, I'm, I have German and American nationality. And um, so I'm, I'm, um, for, to me, it doesn't matter which language I speak. Uh, the idea so far was to um, provide something to those people in Germany who are not very good in English or, or don't just prefer uh, German content. Um, and I've noticed that a lot of the people I follow on Twitter, um, they don't uh, know any German. And I'm just trying to uh, see if we can, or if I can reach a broader audience just by um, switching this podcast into German. My guest today uh, is Laurent Bunion. He lives in Zurich. He's a senior cloud developer, developer advocate at Microsoft. Um, Laurent uh, also prefers uh, speaking in, in English, though he, I think his, his main language is French. Um, but he also is good in German, but uh, Swiss German, <laughs> which is a bit harder for me to understand. And you might know him from uh, the famous MVVM Lite framework, which has been around for many years and, and is uh, an essential framework for building MVVM Lite applications in the .NET space, be it desktop, mobile, whatever. And he's also a frequent speaker at conferences. Hello, Laurent. Hello, how are you? Thank you for having me. Well, thank you for being my guest today. Uh, I think you might be the, the best known guest so far. And um, <laughs> That's a very, very uh, relative, uh, you know, metrics in our world, right? Right. I still, I feel honored that you take the time. Well, it's, uh, it's very nice for very nice of you to have me, and so I'm uh, I'm quite excited to see how the uh, the English language is going to impact, um, you know, the reach of your uh, of your podcast. We were talking about that earlier, and I think it's a constant question that we have when we create content for, uh, you know, for developers, for communities, etc. In in which language we want to uh, to write and and create this content, and so it's definitely an interesting experiment that is happening here. Right. Well, maybe I'll never know because uh, now that I have someone uh, as famous as you on board, uh, I might have re reached more people <laughs> in the German language too. We'll see. We'll see. But uh, well, yeah, and 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 yeah. please don't call me don't call me famous. I, it uh, really makes me feel very 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 small here. So. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Um, so, uh, can you tell me a little bit a little bit about yourself or about your your current role or how did you get to become a cloud developer advocate at Microsoft? Of course, happy to do so. So um, I, I started working in, uh, in, in computers and in programming about 25 years ago now. And uh, so I'm, uh, I, you know, I'm fairly old, I would say, uh, probably. In fact, I, I just like last week turned uh, 48. So, so it's been a while. Um, right. And uh, I think that very, very early. Older than me. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. And uh, I think that very early, I was very interested in uh, reaching out to communities anyway. And uh, in fact, my first uh, website was created because I was active in the JavaScript community at the time, uh, which might mm -hmm. surprise 
you know, people who know me because uh, I'm not really known for JavaScript activities these days. Uh, but back then, I was very, very active in JavaScript. And so um, I created this uh, this website with questions and, uh, you know, questions and answers, basically. And uh, and back then, of course, the source of most of those questions was Usenet, uh, which uh, for, you know, the younger of us who don't know what Usenet, Usenet, Usenet is, sorry, um, it's uh, like imagine Reddit, but except not on the web, uh, I guess you could say. And so you had uh, you had different um, domains with categories, and one of those domains was compt, uh, comp for computers dot lang for language dot javascript, uh, and mm -hmm. that, that's really where I, where I started being involved uh, with community at first because I went there to to learn JavaScript really and to to get to know more about it, and then eventually I um, started answering questions and then noticed that uh, you know it's very rewarding. Uh, and fulfilling, in fact, to to answer community questions because you get involved and then you have a feeling that you're helping people. And I really enjoyed that feeling. And so next to my job, which back then was at Siemens, um, I was programming C and C++ at Siemens. And so on my free time, I was do doing a lot of web and JavaScript. And mm -hmm. uh, I, I started answering questions there. And then fast forward, you know, 20 plus years, um, I continued to do community work a lot. Uh, I moved on to .NET eventually around 2001. And so 2001 to 2005, more or less, I did uh, mostly ASP.NET web uh, development. And uh, so still a lot of JavaScript, but more and more C Sharp and, and, and things like that. And then in 2006, I went into uh, what back then we called rich client programming, which was really uh, you know, WPF at the time, so Windows, Windows. Um, um, how do you call that? Uh, Windows Presentation, uh, Presentation Foundation. Foundation. Thank you. I had a mm -hmm. blank right there. <laughs> I was looking for Windows Programming Foundation, which doesn't make any sense, of course. So Windows Presentation <laughs> Foundation, and uh, and then later on, Silverlight took off, and I was very, of course, very involved with Silverlight, and I wrote, uh, you know, two um, two reference books about Silverlight and. Uh, so I would say that this is really a succession of um, activities, but really mostly always driving me was this desire to help people and to teach um, teach programming or teach architecture or teach these kind of things. And um, in uh, 2017, I was very lucky that um, this new team at Microsoft got created, the developer relationship, uh, which back then we called you know cloud advocacy, but now we kind of prefer developer relationship. Um, and um, <clears throat> somebody um, whom I've known for many, many years, Scott Kate, a good friend of mine, uh, saw that I would be a good fit for one of those jobs. And uh, I got a call out of the blue, totally on Skype one, one day. And uh, it was Scott who told me, well, you know, would you possibly be interested in interviewing for Microsoft? And um, I thought, well, you know, I, I mean, it sounded like a really interesting job, I would say. Uh, at the same time, you know, it's a, it's a big move, right? Changing firm like that and moreover uh, after something like 11 years being a partner of Microsoft, changing to be an employee of Microsoft was also kind of a big uh, a big jump, I would say. And so I, I considered it and then I decided to interview because, you know, what do you have to lose when you interview? And I have to say, having spoken to uh, quite a few people, including Scott Gustry, who eventually leads uh, you know the cloud division at Microsoft and uh, and a few other people I was pretty convinced that this was um, a job that 
I would fit well into. And uh, so far, it's been almost two years uh, since I started, and I have to say I'm I'm very happy with my with my decision to join. And so yeah, it's been uh, it's been a good ride so far. Oh, wow, I I, I, um, I see some similarities because I. Uh, I used to be on the Usenet too. It was the mm -hmm. de.comp.lang.php. Oh yes, uh, yes. Group and and I worked on the the FAQ website there too. Nice. Um, a long time ago. <laughs> yeah, that was uh, that was a long time ago indeed. And so uh, I, I noticed that you said de, so you were already uh, you know more active in German at the time. And uh, I decided to kind of go the other way and and go full English. Uh, for every community activity, but it's a it's a tricky choice anyway because uh, and and now we see it because right now, for example, we are uh, inside my team. We are hiring uh, local people uh, in Germany, in France. So personally, I'm part of the uh, of the global team. So my my field of activity, if you want, is uh, really the whole world, and so I'm inclined to create content in English rather. But we also have uh, more and more local people or regional people, like we call them. And uh, mm -hmm. definitely, the um, the language is is one of the reasons, and we we like to have people who are able to create content, you know, respectively in French, in German, or in uh, in Japanese, for that matter. We have uh, we have a team now of regional people in Japan, for example. Uh, some places um, you need to create in local language if you want people to 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 even get to your content. So yeah. Okay, well, I, I remember there were people at Microsoft who were called um, technical evangelists. Correct. Are those still around, or is is this seems like a similar role? Yes, yeah, so it's uh, it's not dissimilar. So a few things happened, um, and the, the the technical evangelist or the uh, developer evangelist, or you know, they they had different names, right? We called them a DPE at some point, developer platform evangelist, and then we had mm -hmm. DX uh, for developer evangelism. Um, and uh, those uh, people are, are still around for, the, for some part. Um, some of them left Microsoft. Some of them are still at Microsoft. But for the most part, they are not doing a developer relationship anymore. They are doing other activities. And I would say the, um, the developer advocate team or developer relationship team, it's, uh, it's kind of a new team. And I think um, mostly I see two main differences. One difference is that the... Um, the, the the developer relationship team has been hired, with some exceptions like myself, very much outside of Microsoft. So we have reached out to people who didn't have a lot of Microsoft experience, but who had a mm -hmm. lot of experience with their own communities. And here I'm talking about people like you know Python community people or Java or uh, JavaScript for that matter, Node.js, etc. Or uh, you know artificial intelligence, etc., cetera, etc., cetera. and um, a few of us come, I would say, historically from more of a Microsoft background. Uh, people like Jeremy Lickness, who is on my team, for example, uh, definitely also a longtime MVP. We have we have a few MVPs who joined, um, but mm -hmm. I would say um, the, the majority of the team is really from outside. And I think that the the main driver here was to say, you know, if we want to reach out to those communities. Um, we need people who are really uh, very, very, um, how should I say, who, who the community kind of trusts and believes in. And, you know, 
with all respect to dev developer evangelists who have done a, really a tremendous job right over the years, reaching out to many communities, you know that when you come with a Microsoft label, it's harder to reach out to those communities. And there is still a little bit of a, uh, so I would say that is disappearing a little bit, but uh, there is still a little bit of a, of a bias against Microsoft in certain communities. And so mm -hmm. by hiring people who are already very, very active and respected in those communities, I think we managed to overcome this bias. So that was one of the driver. And probably the other, uh, the other thing is that even though we, we work uh, a lot with the product groups and with the, uh, you know, part also with, with the marketing people, of course, on some specific actions, like to drive engagement and things like that. But really, for the most part, we are we are selecting the topics that we want to write about or create content about ourselves. And that's kind of a, a difference a little bit with how the team was was working before, where they had really some campaigns, you know. Uh, we, we don't really work with campaigns. We do have from time to time a, a request to maybe, hey, can you look at that product and, and maybe write about it because we are going to launch soon and these kind of things. But it's not really our main driver. So it's been probably one big... Um, uh, well, maybe one one different uh, at least. Um, a lot of the um, of the uh, developer platform evangelists are still at Microsoft. A lot of them are actually at Azure, um, so it's uh, always you know very very nice to 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 meet them, talk to them about their experience and learning from their from their experience. A lot of them are what we call um, CSC or CSA, so for example, cloud system architect and and uh, cloud system engineer. Um, and they are um, they are still you know active in uh, in the community, but maybe at uh, at a different level, I would say. Okay, um, and I I noticed that there's cloud in the name in your your job title. Are the advocates Correct. all on the cloud side, or are there like some some for Windows or other technologies? So that's uh, that's uh, actually a very interesting question. So um, right now the um, the developer relationship team that is my team is uh, really mainly about Azure. The uh, the developer relationship team reports uh, to Jeff Senquist, who is in charge of the whole community engagement, developer relations, etc. for Azure. And mm -hmm. uh, and Jeff reports to Charlotte, and Charlotte reports to Scott Gustry, who uh, you know whom I don't need to uh, to introduce, right? He's uh, of course uh, Microsoft Azure's uh, executive vice president. So so we are very much driven by cloud, and one reason behind that is of course that uh, you know Azure is one of the main um, benefit area for for Microsoft at the moment. Uh, Windows mm -hmm. has also a uh, developer relationship team. Uh, we do collaborate with them on events. We, uh, of course, have uh, regular meetings with them. Uh, we also meet with the uh, with the .NET people, for example, um, and of course, Xamarin people. And so those are different teams. Uh, my team, the developer relationship team, or the CDA team, or the CXA, like we see sometimes cloud uh, advocates, because we also have ops people, operations people. So we also have COA, like cloud op, cloud ops advocates. Uh, as opposed yeah. to the cloud dev advocate like myself, so that team is really um, our our main driver. If you want, is to 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 bring people to the cloud. Uh, that said, we all have different expertise, and uh, of course, with the background that I have, my expertise is very much into .NET, uh, Windows programming, Xamarin programming, client programming in general, and so I've been uh, doing mostly .NET work on Azure. 
but more and more, I'm also exploring other options, like uh, especially in the in the field of uh, artificial intelligence, which uh, you know is very very interesting and um, definitely a, an area where Microsoft is well positioned, I would say. Um, so this is something that I'm in investigating more and more, and um, all kinds of things really. But uh, so far, C sharp has you know has been and remains my my favorite language for sure. Uh, I've been doing C sharp for well, it's been like probably 18 years now, I guess. So it's uh, it's quite a long time. <laughs> um, yeah. <clears throat> but definitely, uh, yeah. So doing a lot of client work, but always um, with Azure in the back of my mind, if you want. Okay. And if I follow you on Twitter, uh, or I am following you on Twitter, and I see uh, lots of pictures of you in uh, all around the world, that, that seems to be a, a big part of your job to reach out to people all over uh, and and speak with them or, or, mm -hmm. or share your knowledge or answer their questions. That's correct. Yeah, so we, we have um, a few areas where we're active and uh, we try to to have a balance between those areas. It's not always easy or even not always possible, but we, we try our best. And I would say that reaching out to people where they are is definitely one of the areas. So we are traveling a lot. Uh, I have mm -hmm. behind me a, a long string of travel and I'm, I'm about to go in vacation, so I'm quite happy about that. So a little bit more travel, but this time for my own uh, personal benefit, I would say. Um, hmm. And so I've been traveling a lot, especially because we just uh, we are finishing right now a, a series of conference uh, that we call Microsoft Ignite the Tour, and uh, that has brought us in 17 different locations around the world. Uh, I didn't do all 17. Thankfully, I did nine of those, uh, which is still a lot. And so the uh, the locations were as diverse as uh, you know Hong Kong, Sao Paulo, Berlin, uh, Johannesburg, Milan, Dubai, Amsterdam, Toronto. Uh, and I think I'm missing one. Oh, Mexico. I was in Mexico, Mexico two weeks ago. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. And so that has been uh, that has been pretty much a wild ride since uh, last November. Um, now, this is winding down. So we had Stockholm this week. I was not personally in Stockholm, but my colleagues were. And then we still have Mumbai uh, in May. Um, and that will be the last edition of, uh, of that tour. And you are already working on the next edition. So uh, I can already... Uh, say without disclosing too much that uh, we'll have another edition of the tour with even more locations and uh, hopefully we can start talking about it uh, you know sometimes later this year uh, so that should be exciting and i think that one reason why we have all those locations and why, why why we are reaching out to people on location is because we are opening data centers everywhere in the world um, like recently we opened for example um data centers in South Africa, which were the, the very first data centers in Africa uh, ever, you know, like uh, mm -hmm. cloud data centers, I mean. Uh, okay. We are opening data centers in Switzerland very soon, which makes me very happy also. Um, and so we are uh, really expanding, if you want, our, our reach to developers in those regions as well. Now, next to that, next to the travel, we are also very, very active creating online content. And I would say uh, both of those are very important and very complementary because on one hand it's very important to go and reach out to people where they are um, like in enterprise or in conferences or you know just going to talk to them at meetups when we uh, travel we, we usually try to go and and also have a meetup or some kind of community activities uh, but on the other hand it's also important to have um, content that just everybody can access and that would be of course on the web and so we create uh, videos for example my team um, has uh, channel 9 so we we have access to the studios there 
uh, pretty much um, as often as we want. So we can create uh, video content there. Uh, we have uh, YouTube channels. We have uh, blogs. Uh, we write on different platforms like Medium or Dev2 or these kind of things. And so pretty much every time that you go to Medium, for example, or Dev.2, which is a, another uh, blogging platform which is really aimed at developers, if you look into the Azure organization on those platforms, uh, that will be probably uh, people from my team writing there. So I would say that this two activities being there in person and creating online content are we, we try to keep a healthy balance with, uh, between those uh, of course like i said it's not super easy because when you travel it's really hard to create content at the same time as you know travel is exhausting uh, so we also need to you know think about our health and everything uh, but we definitely try to to have a, a balance between those two yeah so um, when you're creating content, is uh, is there like a focus on video or, or is it just a balance between written or, or, or are there, is there any audio content or, or audio only or, or how is yeah, that split so, up? So we are pretty much free to do what we want. Um, so that's good because some people are much more, um, you know, familiar and much more um, skilled in creating audio content. So we do have people who have podcasts, for example. Uh, we have people mm -hmm. who do uh, video because they are more skilled or maybe more uh, equipped, you know, to do videos. Or maybe we write. Uh, it it all depends, right? So uh, anybody can really choose. Uh, we have people who have very successful Twitch channels, for example, like my colleague uh, Suze Hinton, who is uh, well known in in the domain of IoT, for example. She's uh, mm -hmm. extremely popular on Twitch. Um, so it, it depends a little bit. We try to explore different platforms and seeing how they work. Um, so far for myself, I like writing. Uh, so it's been one of my skills. I, I think that I'm, uh, you know, I'm, I'm fairly good at writing content. So I, I do like that. I've been exploring video more and more um, because it's, uh, it's a very nice medium that you can, um, you know, where you can present things a little bit in a different manner. Um, personally, when I learn something, I know that I prefer written content to video content simply because it's a way that I learned how to learn. Uh, I'm, I'm way faster reading a page than, than watching a video. So usually I prefer that. But of course, a lot of people are different. They prefer video to written content. So we need a balance in, between those things. And we've been really exploring a lot of things. We've been um, putting analytics in a lot of places. And then we are trying to see what is more successful. And um, yeah, it's been uh, it's been an interesting thing for sure. Um, the, the the new platform that I was mentioning, Dev.2, uh, right now is is kind of our um, our uh, how how should I say our new platform that we all like a lot because the engagement is very high on the, on this platform, so it's very interesting. Um, of course, we are also active on you know social media, Twitter and and Facebook for for some of us. Etc. Uh, Etc. Et Some even go on Instagram and put content. So we are kind of exploring a lot of things and, and trying to see what uh, what's working. Yeah. Okay. Well, um, now we, we've had nine, nine episodes of this podcast, and two episodes ago, mm -hmm. ago uh, we had a guest René Rupert, and we talked about um, basically how how do developers learn, and yep. um, it was it was very interesting. He was originally with Xamarin University, and he did the, um, the basic classroom or, or online classroom teaching. Oh yeah, I know I know and, Rene pretty well. Yeah, he's a great guy, by yeah. the way. And uh, I I always remember because I did uh, follow the uh, the Xamarin University classes back then, 
And uh, I always loved um, when I was uh, following classes with René. Uh, mostly the classes themselves were very good. And so I always liked that. But really uh, what I loved the most was the discussion that we had after the classes. And usually we would spend another hour at least like, you know, chatting about uh, development and architecture and all that. So definitely, uh, definitely a good guest to have. Yeah. Yeah, it, it was really nice. And I'm, I'm just going to repeat some of that because it was huh? in German and um, I can't just refer to that episode because most sure. of the listeners won't be able to, to hear that. Um, but what we were saying was that, um, well, developers, it's not, not just that different types of or di different people learn in different ways. It's also that a single person uh, can learn differently in different situations. You, you, you can have the situation where you know this is a, a completely new technology. We're uh, removing our, our on-premise uh, service into into Azure, for example, and then you might have have the the time to um, just sit down, look at some videos, uh, or watch some videos, and. Um, Sometimes you're you're uh, developing in the middle of development, and it, it would just be too much to watch a video to just figure out how to call this method. Um, so it's always a, a balance. Like for me personally, also I, I listen to podcasts while I commute to to learn. Then I sometimes I I can actually sit down and, and take the time to watch. And sometimes I just I I want it written and just some pictures and um, have it easy to figure out uh, how to solve the problem I'm, ju I'm just mm -hmm. encountering. Yeah, I think that probably the biggest learning that we have in the past few years is that there is no one method of learning and there is not one single way. And, you know, our, our life would probably be easier if there was, uh, but I guess there are really as many ways of learning as there are developers on the world, right? Uh, people, Some people prefer just like scanning, like for example, for myself, I know that if I search the answer to an issue, I don't like to go through a video where basically it's hard to search in the video, like where, you know, where is the, um, right. where is the yeah. relevant piece of information, right? And uh, also one thing which is also important for, for video is that a lot of those videos are not very uh, inclusive, um, like, when we put content out for Microsoft, we have to add captions, for example, and mm -hmm. uh, and 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 it's honestly, you know, it, it's a gratifying work because we know why we do it, but it's also a lot of work to put captions out and to make sure that really everybody can read and understand, uh, you know, or have a, a like a screen reader, for example, uh, reading the description and. And, and checking what's happening or, of course, captions for uh, people who have maybe trouble hearing, right, so that they can read uh, the text as we go. And now mm -hmm. more and more, we're also trying to translate this content if we can. So it's not just about putting captions, but also about putting uh, translation of, uh, of wow. the text because some people don't speak English, you know. Mm -hmm. So um, I, I would say captions are absolutely, definitely, absolutely necessary and compulsory if uh, Microsoft puts content out. Um, translations uh, right now is not, but we are probably moving in that direction more and more. And uh, mm -hmm. it's, um, it, it's, it's quite a large effort to do. And, uh, and what I notice is that a lot of YouTube uh, content creators don't do that, uh, which of course is understandable because they do that on their free time and it's, uh, it's a lot of effort, but it is still um, an issue because it means that a lot of people are excluded by default of, of those platforms. 
Uh, I would say that reading and writing text is probably uh, better in that manner because uh, now we have tools which can automatically read, um, you know, a screen and uh, automatically scroll and this kind of thing. So it's probably a little bit more uh, mature as a platform for in terms of inclusion. But of course, it means also that you need to think about if you put an image, for example, then how are you going to make this image accessible, right? You need to, to add, it, at the very least, a descriptive caption and not just a title right. of the image like we see sometimes. So there is definitely mm -hmm. a big effort to to, to, to put here. Um, eventually, I, I still think that we need everything if we want to reach out. I mean, we know that, uh, for example, the new, you know, newer generation, I guess, uh, is very uh, fond of Twitch. Uh, and and even mm -hmm. people you know as old as me, uh, some of them like Twitch, <laughs> um, and uh, and it's great. I mean, you know, it's good that we have choice. Um, at the same time, if if everybody was using only one platform, like life would be, uh, I guess, a lot more boring as well. So it's nice that we have this possibility to go and explore different different areas. Mm. Right, that's um, very interesting. I like the the inclusivity. Um, it it is yeah. something. Um, well, if, if you're um, able-bodied, uh, all your senses uh, work, um, then it's something a lot of people don't think about. And then, then you you might think, uh, oh, well, well uh, okay, maybe a blind person can't um, can't see this content, but uh, is is he going to be using Visual Studio to to write C sharp? Also, you'd be and surprised, then, right? You'd be surprised. I, I, right, I mean, I, 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 I saw I know, the video. <laughs> yeah, I know personally a few cases of people who uh, who have, uh, um, you know, visual impairment, and they are definitely mm -hmm. developer and and active developers. And like I said, we have, uh, you know, um, a lot of tools which are included, um, or at least which work well with web content, with uh, even tools like Visual Studio, etc., and 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 who help you know people with impairment to to be able to uh, be productive anyway. And this is really fantastic. And this is definitely something that uh, that Microsoft is very, very sensitive to. And, uh, you know, I'm not saying that just because I work for Microsoft, but we've known that for years, right? That Microsoft is very active into the field of uh, diversity and inclusion. And uh, I think that my team also was created with this idea in mind. And uh, it's definitely something that we are very, very sensitive to. Right. Yeah. Well, I, I I saw at the I was really happy to see at the MVP summit that uh, there were a couple of developers who were, who were blind. They're Microsoft MVPs, mm -hmm. um, and and it is great that they um, they can basically not only do their job but they can share their knowledge um, and uh, with with this impairment. And yeah, I, I'm going to put exactly. a, a video in the, in the show notes, um, a link um, to the, um, there was a video from, from an, a Microsoft employee who was showing how he develops with Visual Studio. And it's mm -hmm. just, it's I, just incredible to watch. Uh, yeah, it's probably the, the seeing AI video. It's, uh, it's amazing. Yeah, absolutely amazing. Yeah. And uh, it's, uh, I, I have been showing this video around also quite a bit because like I said, I've been talking about uh, artificial intelligence more. And there are a lot of tools that we are um, gradually integrating uh, into, you know, into our platforms to help with this kind of activity, and that's really that's really uh, very very fascinating. Yeah. Right. Okay. Well, um, um, thank you so much for for um, talking about this. Is there anything um, if if somebody is getting started with? Um, or I, I know Microsoft is putting out all this content, um, and it's great that you're doing this for free. 
uh, in back in the olden days, we had like a, a manual and we had to <laughs> look in the manual. And nowadays you, you get to choose, do I want to watch, <laughs> watch a video? Yeah, um, I, I was saying the I was telling the story to some of my colleagues that uh, you know my team, like I said, is very diverse in terms of skills and and, and mm -hmm. gender and race and everything, but also in terms of age. And so I have some uh, some colleagues who are maybe twenty two, twenty three years old, very uh, very young and very uh, absolutely talented, and it's a, it's a real pleasure to work with them. But of course, they haven't known. You know, the times where when I first started programming, uh, we had exactly two sets of manuals for the platforms that I was programming against. Right. And uh, you could be sure that uh, those were never in the in the cupboard where they used to be. And so mm -hmm. uh, part of my activities uh, as a developer was to run around the office and asking who has a manual, who has a manual, because, you know, you had uh, like a specific error message that you needed to check or something like that. And so that was... Yeah, that, those were the days, right? I mean, a lot yeah. of people have developed like that and have written like literally millions and millions of lines of code in that manner. But uh, yeah. oh my God, it's so much better now, right? Where where a single uh, web search can uh, can direct you to to what you what you look for. And I would say that maybe as a message to uh, to the listeners, um, part of what we do is really trying to make this a reality. And uh, if um, if the listeners notice that some documentation is missing or that it's not uh, up to their standard or that they have suggestions on how we can do it better, they shouldn't hesitate to reach out to my team. Uh, we do have people in Germany as well. We have um, uh, people in Berlin and in Munich. Uh, we do have people literally all around the world. So don't hesitate to reach out to us on Twitter or on uh, different uh, communication channels and let us know because um, I would say if, if documentation is missing, it's not because we don't want it to be out. It's, uh, it's just because we might have missed, in the end, we're all humans, right? We might have missed that uh, that particular documentation is not there and we definitely want to, want to fix that. So our aim is to have as good a documentation as possible online and accessible for everyone. Okay, great. Um, well, thank you very much, Laurent. I, I still have something um, I want to uh, announce uh, for those of you who haven't heard. Um, I am um, one of the organizers of an event called the Expert Day for Xamarin. This event will take place on June 14th in Munich at the Microsoft office. Uh, we asked Laurent if he could come, but uh, unfortunately, you don't have, didn't have the time. Uh, but we have other... it's, uh, it's really a, a problem of conflict, that's all. Um, so if, uh, right. if I'm available, I would be more than happy to come uh, to, come to, a, to right. an event, especially Munich is not far. Um, right. so, so definitely we'll do that in the future, but uh, we just need to select a date where I'm, where I'm here in Zurich and that would be easy. Oh, no. <laughs> don't, don't worry. Uh, but we have, we have people from your team. We have uh, Jim Bennett from, uh, from London and we have Mike James from Amsterdam. And... Um, there, uh, there will be a total of 16 speakers from um, all around Europe, um, from eight different countries. We'll have two tracks. It's a one-day event. It's free. Uh, and it is um, basically, um, if you are developing with, with Xamarin technology, then this is the event for you to, to learn about um, all the things that you can achieve with this platform. We also have uh, two presentations that are going to... Uh, focus on accessibility, the, the topic we just talked about, say, um, how mm -hmm. to write an, an app that somebody um, who, uh, I don't know, maybe can't hear or can't see, uh, um, or can maybe, um, you know, sometimes apps have like 
shake the app to do something and maybe some people can't shake their phone or uh, maybe some people uh, mm-hmm. cannot hold the phone without shaking it um all of these, th- these things that you don't think about uh, I'm, I'm really happy that we'll have have two talks about this topic mm-hmm. um so uh, there are still a few spots left um and um i will put a link to to the event in the show notes also Fantastic! Yeah, that sounds like a like a really good event, and uh, those uh, colleagues of mine that you mentioned are really definitely awesome, and so definitely very very interesting to hear them. Okay, great. Well, thank you, Laurent, for being on the show, and um, this was another episode of Dev Talk, and we'll be back with another show in fourteen days. Okay, thanks. Bye bye. Thank you so much for having me. Bye bye. <laughs>